Welcome again, just extend my welcome um, to all of you and um, welcome, as Mike has already said, to Generosity Sunday. And many of you all know that throughout September we've been on a journey. Um, we started way back at the beginning of September with Back to Church Sunday and this was followed by Vision Sunday and last week we had a lot of fun, didn't we, at Sign Up Sunday and today, as Mike has already said, is Generosity Sunday. Now, if you're part of our church family, you will know that every Thursday at 5.08 a.m., you get an email, well, I do, in my inbox from Mike Walker, our vicar, and he tells us everything that's going on at St. John's. He gives us all the details. Since the beginning of August, Mike has been advertising the fact that the 26th of September 2021 would be Generosity Sunday. I'm glad you all showed up. Didn't know what was going to happen today. Um, so I wonder what went through your mind when you saw that. Um, did you think, oh no, they're going to be asking me for money today? Or they're going to start talking about that taboo subject of money? Or they might take up an offering, you know, a special church offering for some activity or other. Or they might want you to start giving to the work here at St. John's, or maybe to increase your giving to the work at St. John's. And to be honest with you, when I saw Mike's constant advert throughout the whole of August and September, these thoughts all went through my mind. And although we may be reluctant to talk about this sensitive subject, generosity is what truly defines the Christian. So before we open up the Bible, I just want us to pray to see if God's word can help us to sort of have a bit more understanding um, in this area. So just let us pray. Holy Spirit, we come to you this morning and we ask that you would lead and guide us into all truth. Would you open our hearts and give us understanding and revelation? Help us, we pray, to reflect and apply all that we learn from you. Please don't let us leave this place being hearers of the word only. Help us to be doers of the word. And we ask this in the name of our Lord and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I will be starting um, the service this morning reading from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. Now, this morning, I am reading from the New Living Translation, so I've, uh, the words should come up on, on the screen. Um, so, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. 
In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God, for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and chapter 9 are the two main parts of the Bible which talk about stewardship, handling money, and giving. And in the first seven verses of chapter 8, Paul tells us all about the Macedonian church and their giving to Christians in Jerusalem who were advancing the gospel. And we see from the verses in chapter 8 that the Macedonian churches didn't have a lot. They were very poor, but their difficult circumstances didn't stop their giving. So they kind of gave what they had, not what they didn't have. They gave sacrificially, and they gave willingly. And Paul goes as far as to say that giving is an act of worship. He also says that giving is service and that generosity is a virtue in the life of a believer. So for Christians everywhere, our giving is motivated by grace. We are thankful to God for his gift, which is, as Paul says, too wonderful for words, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And I want to just spend a few minutes this morning looking again at this wonderful gift that God has given to the world. So I'm going to ask now that we turn to our second reading, which is from the Gospel of Matthew. And we're reading from chapter 16, verses 21 to 28. And in my Bible, it's headed up, Jesus predicts his death. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly, that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? 
For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. For many of us, this gospel reading encapsulates Jesus' story. He came, he lived, he died, and he rose again. In just seven verses, he shows us what true generosity looks like. And why is God so generous towards us? Simply because he is love. Love isn't only what he does, love is who he is. And it's only when we really understand this, then we will find true security. Um, And the title of our sermon this morning, thanks Rebecca, is The Search for Security. So in verse uh, 21 of our gospel reading, Jesus talks about his forthcoming death. And Peter, Peter isn't having any of that kind of talk. He reprimands Jesus. The same man that A few verses earlier, Peter had identified as the Christ, the son of the living God. Now Jesus meets this reprimand by turning his face to Peter's. And if you imagine, he would probably be like face to face. And he says to Peter, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are just thinking of things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. So what's happening here? One minute, we've got Peter, who has great spiritual insight, a new name from Jesus, and Jesus tells him that I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades are not going to overcome it. And then the next minute, we see Peter talking about worldly concerns. But Jesus knows exactly who he's dealing with. It's Satan. Now, this isn't Satan's first appearance. Very early on in the Gospels, we see Jesus being tempted by the devil to take the easy way out. And here, we see Satan, once again, speaking through Peter this time, trying to stop Jesus from taking the way of the cross. Satan knows that if Jesus takes the way of the cross, it will lead to believers everywhere finding true meaning, identity, belonging, and security. He knows that the way of the cross is the only path to true freedom. But Satan was absolutely relentless in his efforts to try to get Jesus to take the easy way out. But we know, don't we? Jesus didn't take the easy way. He knew there was no other way to set humankind free. And the prophet Isaiah tells us in Isaiah chapter 53 why the way of the cross was so necessary. And I'm just going to read a few words from that chapter. It was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. 
but he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be healed and whipped so that we could, so that we could be made whole. And all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. When I was reading through that chapter this week, I really got this overwhelming sense of all the personal pronouns in those verses. And it just hit me again that it was my sin and your sin that led Jesus Christ, that took him all the way to Calvary. And it just sort of impressed upon me how the the cross of Christ is really and truly at the heart of the gospel. Now, going back to our passage, I imagine Jesus now removing his gaze from Peter and turning to the rest of the disciples. He speaks these sobering words from verse 24. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And Jesus is speaking those very same words to us today. And if you're familiar with your Bible, which I'm sure all of you are, you will know that this isn't the first time that Jesus says, follow me. When Jesus called his first disciples, as recording for us in chapter one of the Gospel of Mark, he was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. And he called them at once And they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. And we can see from this short story that Simon and Andrew left their livelihood. They walked away from their financial security. And James and John left family, all without hesitation to follow Jesus. So what could follow me mean for us today? Well, it could mean that our old life is left behind and we live a new life, completely surrendered to Jesus. It could mean that we live a life knowing that Jesus is our saviour, but that Jesus is also our Lord. And that his lordship would mean that he is involved and in charge of all aspects of our lives. Our money, our possessions, our family, and our work, and our dreams, nothing would be off limits to Jesus. For some of us, the new life may leave us feeling as if we've been dragged out of relative security to live a life of insecurity. 
what you would hear a lot of Christian people saying, we live by faith. But we don't live by faith without a reference point from Jesus, because Jesus is our role model. Jesus came to the earth to live a life that was completely obedient to his father. And you will know from the Bible that he only did what he saw his father doing, and he only said what he heard his father saying. Jesus set before us an example of unselfish living and demonstrated lavish giving. He came to minister, to serve, to give himself wholly, to give of himself to others at all times, in all places, under all circumstances. And I believe he calls us to that same standard. Jesus would never ask us to do something without giving us the ability to do it. Jesus is our security. We cannot find true security in money, vocations, possessions, or even people. Those things are truly temporary. Jesus alone is our security. And if I'm honest with myself... It is insecurity that can stop me being generous on every occasion. And this insecurity for me is fueled by fear, a fear of lack, a fear of poverty, or a fear of just not having enough. Sometimes I go through periods where I simply do not trust Jesus with all aspects of my life. But the only way for us to be truly generous on all occasions is by believing and trusting in the promises in the Word of God. And I just want to read again a couple of the verses from the reading that we started with from 2 Corinthians. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Now I'm sure we would all agree that generosity is about more than money although it includes money. And if you want to give to the work here at St. John's, you can find out how to do that on our website, the brochure that you've been given today, the contactless paying giving station at the back of the church and the plate at the exit for donations. But as I close our time together, I want to leave us with a working definition of what I believe generosity really is and how believers everywhere can serve in this valuable ministry. Generosity is the willingness to give up any of our own resources, whether that is our time, our abilities, our expertise, our experience, our money, our homes, our energy, our hospitality, and our care, to help other people who are in need or who have asked for our help. Most of you know that we've recently celebrated our first year anniversary, and we truly give thanks to God for his generosity, 
his favour and his blessing that has rested upon this church for the past year. We are also thankful for the generosity that has been shown by you, church family, in a whole host of different ways. So my encouragement really that I would just like us, like to leave us all with really, is that may we continue this ministry of giving, remembering always that giving is service. And as one of my heroes of the faith, the Macedonian nun, Mother Teresa, is recorded as saying, a life not lived for others is not a life. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we are sorry when we have been so focused on what we need in the present that we forget to focus on how we can impact others in the future. We ask that you would help us to live outside our comfort zone. We yield all we possess to you. Show us, Lord, who we can generously serve and bless. Would you help us to open our hands a little wider and practice generosity that might lead others to you? For your name's sake and for your glory. Amen. Amen.